Welcome to It Just Makes Sense, the podcast by two easily distracted, higher educated, former lovers that explores all of the unpopular opinions, conspiracy theories, and cult leaders that make you want to scream, That That Just just Makes Sense. This week's episode is going to focus on one of my favorite HBO documentaries and controversial autopsy autopsy reports, There's Something Wrong with Aunt Diane. Dun, dun. Are you so excited for this? I'm so excited. She's been hyping this up for so long. What? There's a documentary about it? Yeah, there's something wrong with Anti-Anne on HBO. I've been telling Jeff for years, years, years to watch this documentary, and you refuse to, and now I'm so excited that I can talk to you for hours on this topic. I don't think that I refuse. I just, it, it just never interests me. I don't know. I don't know why. Well, three-quarters of the time that we're together, when you're talking about these things, you're intoxicated and I'm intoxicated. (laughs) But this story is just absolutely bonkers. And the more I did research on it, the more I'm enthralled by it. Like, there's something wrong with Aunt Diane. Well, tell me all about it. First, how was your weekend? Oh, my God, it was so good. I'm really into this new show. I shouldn't say new show, but I've discovered a show on Netflix that I'm so excited about. It's called Glow Up. And it's a reality TV show, a British one, about makeup artists. Interesting. Yeah, I'm already on season two. It's so good. What makes it so good? Like, the competitions, what they do with the makeup. And I guess, like, this is... I'm just dumb. I always picture makeup artists as just, like, Instagram influencers and, like, people who work at Mac. And then I'm like, oh, wait, like, there's so many people that work on movies, TV. Yeah, it's a career. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah. huge industry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, like prosthetics, like everything. Like just think about everything on Grey's Anatomy. None Um, of that's real. Yeah? Interesting. And they say like one episode can take like so so long. So the glow up is a competition? Yeah, it's Um, a competition. And then each week they do like a different makeup look. I just finished season seven of Mom. You ever watch it? <laughs> no. It's, and I've never watched it. It's so funny. It's legitimately the funniest show I've ever seen. That is a lie. It is that the funniest show you've ever seen. It really is. I relate to them very Isn't it well. Like Aunt Anna Farish? Anna Farish and. Um, <laughs> I relate Kirsten, to that. What's her name? Allison Janney. Oh, really? I love Allison Janney. She's so, she, without her, the show is not very She's good. the one from I, Tanya, right? No, Allison Janney's older. She's yeah, t- I think she was in I, Tanya. Oh, was she? I'm pretty sure that oh, was I, such a good movie. I didn't see I, Tanya. But anywho, it's about a mother and a daughter. They're both recovering alcoholics. And <laughs> and all of their friends, they make it AA in all of their trials and tribulations. She was in I, Tanya. And it's fucking phenomenal. Interesting. I relate to a lot of the episodes. <laughs> and on that note, cheers. It's funny. I was right. waiting forever for that to come out on Hulu. Really? Season 7, yeah. Oh, I watched seasons one through six in like two weeks. I'll think about it. But anyways, back to the story at hand. Yeah, what's wrong so, with Aunt Diane? Tell me. Oh my God, no one knows. So while I just while I was researching or doing research for the podcast, I found out that the movie, There's Something Wrong with Aunt Diane, was actually based off of just one New Yorker article, um, I Dream of Diane by Steve Fishman. Wait, I could be wrong on that statement. I don't think it's New Yorker. It was from New York Magazine. Um but it's so called, that's the one you sent me? Yeah, I Dream of Diane by Steve Fishman. They created this entire documentary based off of that one article. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Yeah, because it was so interesting. So I used a lot of his article with information for this episode, but 
I encourage everyone to go out and read it because it was so good. So anyways, so this case focuses on 36-year-old Diane Schuler. And Diane, by her husband's record, was a nice, loving, kind. She bought cards for birthdays. She never forgot anyone. She was reliable, trustworthy, and honest. So basically you and I. Correct. He said the two of them had the perfect marriage. Deeply Again, in you love. And I, deeply in love. And if someone wanted something, the the other always wanted it too. There was never any conflict or strife in their marriage. Well, that so if like sounds one like... wanted to move to Long Island, then the other one always just like went with the idea. He said there was never any conflict. That sounds suspect to me to begin with, but continue. Other people don't remember Diane so saintly. She could be pushy, abrupt, impatient. The, prerogative, the prerogatives of the boss, stubborn, her brother Warren told police. If a store clerk or shopkeeper was not doing their job correctly, Diane was quick to correct. So she, essentially she was a Karen. <laughs> I'm about to say she sounds like the typical Karen. She didn't believe in blowing smoke up people's asses. She loved honking her horn while driving. She was a Karen. I love honking my horn. I'm not a Karen. I do love honking my horn, too. I, a lot of I'm joy. A big, I'm a big horn. Lay like, on the you're horn. you're getting close to me. Yeah, for sure. But I feel like that's not the norm in Buffalo. Like, no. New York City, people honk on the horn all the time. Buffalo, it's like, how dare you? She was also somewhat secretive and didn't want to talk about her past or her life. So when Diane was nine, her mother abandoned the family and her father raised the four kids. You cannot talk about her family or divorce with her. The topic was off limits and she refused to communicate with her mother ever again. And not for the lack of her mother trying. So even though like she left their father and abandoned the family, her mother came back and tried to form relationships with everyone and with her children. And everyone did except for Diane. She refused to and she never talked to her again. And she refused to allow a relationship to form. Rare. But very interesting. Right? Others reported little seemed to bother Diane. Wait, not to interrupt, but to interrupt. When did this happen? 2009. Oh, so not that long ago. No. So other reports um, li- reported that others see- others reported that little seemed to bother Diane. There were no ups and downs, no mood swings. They had never seen her mad or angry, said Noreen Smith, a friend of hers. She didn't drink to excess and didn't need to let off steam. Weird. Who does that? Never. So you said maybe there was a pina colada or two at a party, and even then she worried about being a designated driver. Okay, who just has a blender laying around at all these parties? Yeah, like who's drinking serving pina, pina coladas? coladas? That's like the worst drink. Seriously. Cool. But she didn't seem to be affected by things that bothered other people, which is what brings the incidents of what happened on Sunday, July 26, 2009, even more confusing. Here we go. Here we go. So Danny and Diane Schuler were leaving Hunter Lake Campgrounds in the Catskills where they parked their camper for three seasons. They were well-known and well-liked on the campgrounds. On July 26th at approximately 9.30 a.m., Diane left the campgrounds in a red 2003 Ford Windstar, which, by the way, was also the make, model, and year of my first car I ever had. You drove a Ford Windstar? A red Ford Windstar. Whoa. By the time I got rid of it, it had 258,000 miles on it. You're so hot. I think about it in college. I just took the back seat out and used it as a couch in my dorm rooms and then like piled in 20 kids. Yeah. It was the best. I believe it. Anyways, this is Diane clearly partier. Ford Windstar. But that apparently belonged to her brother. Sorry. Um, but riding with Schuler were was her five-year-old son and two-year-old daughter and her brother's three daughters, age eight, seven, and five. Her husband, Dan Schuler left the campgrounds at the same time, but in a separate vehicle. 
since he had a pickup truck and he took the dog with him. Diane had a quick conversation when leaving the campgrounds with the campground owner in which in a later statement, the campground owner stated that Diane seemed completely sober and coherent. Diane stopped at a McDonald's fast food restaurant and a Sunoco gas station in Liberty while on their way home. While at the gas station, on surveillance video with no sound, it was erroneously reported that she attempted to buy over-the-counter pain relief medication, possibly for a painful tooth, although there's never been any evidence to support this. So this is going to come back when we talk about, like, the autopsy and court cases and why that was such a big deal that she had a toothache. So okay. just, like, keep that in the back of your mind. Got it. Um, the, both the McDonald's worker and the Sunoco worker reported that Diane seemed coherent and did not come off as intoxicated or strung out. At 11.37 a.m., so she left at... What time did she leave that again? I don't know. I'm not taking notes. I hate you. Um, she left at 9.30 a.m. So, so by two hours, two hours later. later, she called Warren Hans, her brother, and father of the three nieces from the van. She reportedly told them that they were being delayed by traffic. And according to the police report, Schuler was seen by witnesses at approximately 11.45, so less than 10 minutes later, by the side of the road with her hands on her knees as if she was vomiting. And then seen again in the same position a short time later, north on the Ramapo rest stop. Ramapo? Ramapo Slotesburg rest stop. Oh. Then at 12.08 p.m., Jackie Hanstay and sister-in-law and mother of the three girls in the car called Diane on her cell phone. They had a coherent discussion about Jackie's oldest nine-year-old Emma and her upcoming role in a play. So this whole time... Wait, while she was driving? mm Mm-hmm. So 50 minutes later at 12.58... And there wasn't anything from that. Who was it? The sister that called her? Sister-in-law. So her husband's wife. So she didn't say anything about like she was slurring her words or Mm -hmm. anything like that? No, she said she had a completely coherent discussion with her. Interesting. So 50 minutes later at 12.58 is when the infamous phone call happened. That's when Emma called her mother and started screaming, there's something wrong with Aunt Diane. Jackie heard the kids crying in the background, but after 2 minutes and 33 seconds, the call cut out. Diane's brother then called back, and during this call, one of the Schuler's nieces reportedly told her father that Schuler was having trouble seeing and speaking clearly. Schuler herself then talked to her brother and said that she was disoriented and could not see. Which I think is weird. Like, why would why, why she couldn't pull she over? see? Right. So, police believe that the car was stopped in a pull-off area behind the Tampin Z Bridge toll booth for at least part of that call. Um, Hans, her brother, repeatedly told Schuler to stay off the road while he came to meet with them. And follow-up calls from Hans to Schuler were not answered. What is his name? His last name is Hans. His first name is Warren. Oh, oh gotcha. Yeah. Um. I thought you were mispronouncing it, like like you say, Jizz Lane. No, I hate you. Um, for some reason, she had left her cell phone on the highway, and it was found by another motorist by the side of the road near the toll booth. Okay, that's okay. weird. So that was that. Well, she, maybe she just dropped it when she was paying the toll. Or like when she was pulled off talking to her brother. She just like dropped it. Dropped it? Yeah. Hmm. So after 50 minutes, so that was at 12.58, right? At 1.33, two drivers called 911 after noticing Schuler's van edging onto the northbound exit ramp of the Taconic State Parkway near Briarcliff Manor. So she was going the wrong way out on the exit oh. ramp. So, so she was going off an on-ramp. Mm-hmm. 
Yikes. It was marked with two signs that read do not enter and two signs that read one way. Within the next minute, four more 911 calls were placed by motorists who reported the car was driving the wrong way down the parkway, going approximately 75 to 85 miles per hour. Can you imagine how terrified those kids must have been? Not only that, so my first thought when you just said that was like, so if you can't see, right? why are you driving that fast? Right. Well, so, A, first, why are you driving yeah, anyway? Why? <laughs> but then to drive 75 miles per hour, but down and off, down and off, yeah. like a, like, not an off. Okay, something is wrong with Aunt Diane. What? There's something wrong with Aunt Diane. <laughs> so then the van traveled south for 1.7 miles and the parkway's northbound passing lane before colliding head on at approximately 1.35 p.m. with the 2004 Chevy Trailblazer, which then struck a 2002 Chevy Tracker. Chevy. Ooh, a tracker. I was in a car accident in a tracker. Those things are a tin can. Remember that when you saw a tracker, it was like, tracker, smacker, no, whatever, instead of... <laughs> no. <laughs> cut that out. <laughs> Don't cut that out. That's awesome. Keep going. <laughs> um, so at the impact, Schuler was dra- pro- tra- traveling approximately 85 miles per hour. Schuler, her daughter... I how she could drive that fast... Down an on-ramp. Like, those things curve. Well, now or... she's off of it. Oh. So she's traveling south for 1.7 miles oh, okay. on the wrong way. Right. Yeah. Okay. So then, Schuler, her daughter, and two of her nieces were dead at the scene of the crash. The children did not appear to have been in car seats or even to have had seatbelts fastened. Along with three men in the trailblazer, 81-year-old Michael Bastardi, his 49-year-old son Guy, and their friend, 74-year-old Dan Longo. The two occupants of the tracker suffered only minor injuries... And you say it's a tin can. Well, it was the second car to get hit. Sure. This probably wasn't the one that suffered the direct impact. Yeah. And Schuler's severely injured third niece and Schuler's five-year-old son, Brian, were taken to air hospitals where the niece died later that day. Brian is the only passenger of Schuler's vehicle to survive, suffering from broken bones and severe head trauma. trauma. That he was remained, the son? Mm-hmm. His five-year-old son. He remained hospitalized before returning home in early October. Isn't when did this happen? Crazy. How long was he in the hospital? It happened September. Oh, so over a month. Mm-hmm. Poor kid. A poor everyone. Could you well, imagine yeah, losing I'm all sure. three of your daughters and your sister killed them? No, it happened on July 26th. Oh. So you can come home to October. Oh, August, September, October. So like th- almost three months. It was a, I know it was a really bad um, head accident or head injury that had happened. So that's crazy. Um, a tox. Okay, so here it comes. A toxicology report released on August fourth by the Westchester County Medical Examiner found that Schuler had a blood alcohol content of zero point one nine percent, which approximate which approximately six grams of alcohol in her stomach that had not been absorbed in her blood. I mean, I will say I've heard that at point one eight, you're still very conscious of what you're doing. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, but I feel like point three, you're like dead. Um, no, not from personal experience or anything, <laughs> but at, at point one eight, you are in complete control of your faculties and able I, to speak. Right. And... No, I fully think that, but but my thing is for someone to have a point one nine and be completely coherent and be fine where no one else noticed, she, she was not just a one and once in a while. No, God, no. She, she was wasn't an two, alcoholic. She was not a two pina colada Correct. girl. She yeah. was not. She's yeah. had experience. Yeah. So for the sure. legal BAC limit for driving while intoxicated in New York is 0. 0.08. Um, and the report also said that Schuler had high levels of THC, the active ingredient in marijuana. 
She could have smoked marijuana as recently as 15 minutes before the accident, according to the toxicology report. Yikes, Aunt Diane. You are no church lady. Could you And like, but I, here's what I don't understand. So we're going to kind of dive into it. But why wouldn't the girl say on the phone, like an eight-year-old girl would have to have known if she was drinking behind the wheel. Like, don't you think she would have said to her dad, like, Aunt Diane's been drinking or Aunt Well, what if she like, had put it in a water bottle? Like, she wouldn't, yeah, have, that's she wouldn't have known. Yeah. I mean, I... I'm sure she would have been able to say, oh, she's smoking something. Right. Yeah. But, That's why I'm like, hmm. But she could have disguised what she was drinking. Drinking. That's true. But this is, so this is where the controversy begins. Lay it on me, sister. Then we got to take a pee break. Okay. Diane's husband, Danny, refuses to believe that Diane was under the influence of any drugs or alcohol that day. Ugh, he's naive. In an August 8th press conference, Daniel Schuler and his attorney, Dominic Barbara, initially denied that Diane did drugs or was drinking that weekend at the lake since several children were with them. Schuler then changed the story and consistently denied that his wife ever drank to access or could have been drunk while driving that day. However, when he went on Larry King and Oprah, and when they asked Daniel about the vodka that was found in the van underneath Diane's seat, Daniel claimed that they always kept an an old bottle in their camper, and that it must have been left over from past weekends where they would drink. He further stated that Diane did all the packing for the camping trip, so she must have moved the bottles into the van. Daniel eventually admitted that him and his wife had been drinking during the camping trip, but denied that Diane had anything to drink on the day preceding the crash. Okay, so even if someone were to move the bottles into the car, why would she put it underneath Underneath the driver's seat? seat? Right. Like, you had to have been drinking it if at, it's so early. Like, you know what I mean? Like, she had a point one eight at, she'd been driving for four hours. They got in the car at yeah. 9.30 and she had a point, she had to have been driving while she was drinking she it while she was driving. driving. Yeah. You know? Um, so, the gas station employee whom Schuler asked for Tylenol around 11, which, again, no one can confirm that, also said, I know for a fact that she wasn't drunk when she came into the station. According to Tom Ruskin, an investigator who was a private investigator supposedly hired by Daniel, her Diane's husband, none of the McDonald's employees saw anything in Schuler's behavior to suggest that she was intoxicated. In fact, she was observed carrying an extended conversation while ordering her food and orange juice. Was that a mixer? Huh. Okay. <laughs> I had to get a refreshment. I'm thirsty. So, um... Ruskin, who was the private investigator, had told reporters in September that he had interviewed relatives, none of whom had ever seen her in a drunken state. Who's Ruskin again? He's the private investigator hired by Diane's husband. Okay. So, Ruskin also pointed to autopsy results that showed an an absence of organ damage often found in alcoholics, although an uninvolved medical examiner said such results do not rule out alcoholism. Shula's huh. relatives have also disputed that Diane was known to drink heavily or irresponsibly. Ruskin posted the question, unless you believe that a woman who's like a PTA mom of the year decides, in this day, I don't give a damn, I'm going to have eight or ten shots and smoke a joint in front of my kids and nieces, then something else had to have happened. Even if true, went the argument, the behavior doesn't make sense. Interesting. So, Maybe Aunt Diane was really living a double life. Maybe she was actually, Maybe. like, cheating on her husband and, like, nobody really knew her. I don't believe I knew that's true, but... What do you think happened? I don't know. 
But Daniel denied that his You gotta have some kind of an opinion. You have an opinion on everything. Oh, I think she was a raging alcoholic that just and just got away with that. Yeah, that just <laughs> agreed. Yeah, they I'm like because I've I've met so many functioning people. Alcoholics. They say by the time someone gets a DUI that that person has drove and drunk over 250 times prior, and just got caught. I 100 percent believe that. Clip. But it's also we're not. I mean, we're digressing from the story at hand, right. but like we're not one of the highest uh, countries in the world with rate, high rates of alcoholism. Oh, I would completely agree with that. Yeah, we're not. Right. Germany is high. South Korea is high. The Asian countries are very yeah, high. Yeah, because they like lack an enzyme to really oh, um, process, process alcohol. alcohol. Yeah. So, like, yeah. Anyways, okay. sorry. So, Daniel denied that his wife did drugs, but told investigators that his wife smoked marijuana only occasionally. And the family told People Magazine that she used it to relieve insomnia. I find it crazy that he's just, like, going on a media tour. Like, he was on Larry yeah. King, Oprah, People. Well, I mean, he's probably got a lot of legal bills. He's probably paying, getting right. paid to do it. But I don't find that that unbelievable, though, that um, she only smoked occasionally. I think there are plenty. I know plenty of people. Yeah, me too. I know plenty however, of people like however um, they said that Daniel Schuler was not required to report his wife's drug use as he was a civilian for something with the Nassau County Police. But in November, it was reported that Schuler's sister-in-law had made a statement to police that she actually smoked marijuana on a regular basis. But, like, do you think she said that because she killed her three daughters? But I guess like, what's I don't the point know. at that well, but, point? Well, what's that, the point of saying it if it wasn't sure. true? You know what I mean? Well, that and, like, what what's regular for somebody is not regular for another person. Right. Like, you could smoke once a month and that could be regular to somebody. Right. Like, That's true. That's very true. So Daniel and the private investigator believe that Schuler drove erratically due to a medical issue such as a stroke. According to the investigator, Schuler was obese for much of her life and suffered from diabetes, although additional sources cite Schuler as only having gestational diabetes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which is only when you're pregnant. Pregnant, yeah. Not during any other time. Uh, rather than a chronic condition. This is where it comes in that the private investigator also mentioned that an abscess that had persisted in her mouth for seven weeks before her death um, that they think, because she had like an abscess in her tooth and that's why she was stopping to get pain, pain, meds. pain meds. Yeah. They think that um, it, it could have been an embolism that caused it. Because like she couldn't see, she was driving uh. erratically, like maybe she had an embolism. The, but the results of the autopsy conducted by the Westchester County Medical Examiner one day after the accident found that Schuler had not suffered a stroke, aneurysm, or a heart attack. Now, which I get, the family of the dead victims in the other car are livid. Now, do you think that she has auto brewery syndrome? Right. Okay. I also, when I talked about this with a professor at the University of Buffalo, he brought that up. Yeah, because that was, I remember watching an episode of Grey's and that happened that somebody, um, oh, it was when this woman, she was a sponsee or sponsor of this, of the other doctor. And she showed up drunk. Like an AA sponsor? Yes. Yeah. And she swore up and down that she didn't have it. And the whole thing was that she had this auto brewery syndrome, also known as gut fermentation syndrome. Well, what is it? Explain. So, auto brewery syndrome is also known as gut fermentation syndrome. And I can't use that, read that word. Endogenous, endogenous ethanol for fermentation. Sometimes called drunkenness disease. The rare condition makes you intoxicated, drunk without drinking alcohol. 
This happens when your body turns starchy, sugary foods into alcohol. Okay, honestly, that sounds like the best disease to have. Like just eat a piece of bread or eat Taco Bell and you feel drunk. Minus all the calories you have to drink to get there. Yeah, but like you would be drunk. Well, I guess you'd change your diet, but I'm drunk all the time. Yeah, like how you'd have to just eat Eat like fruits and vegetables, meat. I would die. Well, you'd be so skinny. Seriously. But then all you would have to do is have a slice of bread to get drunk on the weekend. This is what I'm saying. It sounds like a good time. Or, a, tu- no, or a Tuesday. I don't believe that <laughs> she... Up? I do not believe that she had this disease. I think she was strong. Because I think they would have known that. Right. Oh, her. yeah. That's yeah. true, I think too. they would have known that right, going right, into right. it. I wanna, how many people have this disease? Can okay. you find that Let out? me do some research. Look that up. Things that, right now. things that I've Googled in the past. How many cigarettes are in a pack? How many... <laughs> How many liters are in a gallon? How many ounces are in a bottle of wine? How many bones are in the human body? <laughs> 206, right? I don't know. I just remember um, that from Jerry Maguire. What am I looking at? How many people have this oh, gut disease? How many people in the world? Yeah, in the world have... Have... Guff. Gut fermentation syndrome. I hope it's like two reported. And it's like it's not even a real thing. It was made up for Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> Autobrewery syndrome. Autobrewery syndrome is more prevalent in patients with comorbidities such as diabetes, oh, obesity, Diane. and Crohn's disease. Oh. Anyways, okay, back to the story. <laughs> so the family of the dead victims in the other car are livid. They wanted more answers, and they searched police files and DA records to discover more on their own. They didn't understand why Diane's husband was portraying the story as a perfect wife suffering from a medical mystery. Danny didn't even know that Diane had packed the vodka in the car. Diane had left McDonald's with a cup of orange juice, a great mixer. Mm, And what mm. about her weight gain? And older photos that Mike, who Mike Bastardi was the son of one of the guys who died in the car, um, saw in the press. She had a slender figure, a pretty face, dark hair, and she didn't weigh 204 pounds, her weight according to the autopsy. He believes that the adding pounds could be explained by steady drinking, which is like a stretch. He's saying like... In older photos of her from like a year or two ago, she yeah. didn't weigh 204 pounds. What did she weigh? She weighed, I don't know, he just said she didn't look like she weighed 204 pounds. But okay. again, like you can't really say that's due to heavy drinking. And you can't say that by looking at pictures of people. You can just be right. in the wrong pose. Like we know, camera's up. Right, exactly. So he said, don't you dare tell me this whole thing happened in that minivan and she was perfect before and after in her whole life. So the family members of the victims focused on the fateful phone call when Warren learned that Diane was incapacitated. Warren raced in search of Diane, and he never called Danny, Diane's husband. And Warren didn't call him, though he called Diane with calls at 120, 124, and 128. There was no answer. The phones had been abandoned, but Warren didn't call 911. Why? No one knows. The first call from the Hanses to the state police comes at 1.40, which at that time, everyone was dead. That's so weird. But why so wouldn't you even call her husband to why would, say, like... Well, first, call the police. Right. Because there's probably a cop closer right. than you. Call the husband. Right. Like... They, they said if Diane's brother had called 911 at that first phone call, everyone would still be here. When Warren told a terrified Emma to stay put, the minivan was parked directly across from the state police barracks. Good Could God. you imagine? No, that that dad has to be like. So, 
Now, the HBO documentary, what they focused on was suggesting that Schuler could have been suffering from a severe pain caused by a tooth abscess during the drive home, causing her to look for painkillers at the gas station, like I had said, and upon failing to find any, self-medicating with drugs and alcohol. So the pain of the abscess combined with vodka and marijuana could have put her in a temporary state of delirium that triggered her fatal behavior. But, like, still. So that she was drunk is what they're claiming. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, huh, yeah. So in the documentary, um, Daniel and the investigator claimed that um, they gave, or it claimed that Daniel had given the private investigator $30,000 to conduct an independent investigation and to retest the samples. Throughout the documentary, Daniel and Jay Schuler, which is Diane's sister-in-law, claimed that Ruskin was not returning their phone calls for nine months and they never got the results of the autopsy that he, the second autopsy that he ran. At the end of the documentary, Ruskin states that he had called Jay Schuler. Um, he had called her months ago with the results, and she refused to pick up the phone. She's been claiming that she was told not to pick up, and she didn't understand any of it. But Ruskin says that his test corroborated with the previous test results that Schuler was highly intoxicated from alcohol and marijuana. But Schuler's family persistently is refusing to accept the test results. Sure, that's why she didn't so, answer the phone. Right, exactly. Uh, well, I think, I mean. I think either story is plausible. I don't... Yeah, I just... What, but I agree. I guess, like, I, my thing is, is I, I 100% think that she was... I take I, that back. I shouldn't say I'm 100%. I 98% believe that she was under the influence of drugs and alcohol, and that's why. Oh, sure. But I guess I just don't understand why she would say on the phone, like, I can't see. Like, you know what I mean? Like... Yeah. That's... Like, that's the weird part. Have you like, ever been so drunk you couldn't see? Not to the point where I'm telling people I right, can't Right, that's see. what I mean. Like, that and seems, that to me seems more like an embolism, sure, like something like happened. like something happened. Yeah. So, to me, the most wild, wildest part, too, is Danny has refused to make any statements to the victim's family. So, he refuses to apologize for the actions of his wife and still to this day states that she did no wrong in his eyes. He said that his life is gutted now without his wife and his daughters. His only drive in life is his son, but asked if he would do everything the same again that morning. He said yes. But how can you how can you say that she did nothing wrong? I mean, even if she did nothing wrong, you... She still what, drove the wrong way of an accident. Right. You know what I mean? Like, wouldn't you just, like, offer condolences or something? I don't know. Huh. I don't know. It's just so weird. And it he is, said he would do the same thing he would always done. He would have hugged and kissed his wife goodbye the same way he did that day. And he said, when I searched my mind, there's nothing that that she would have done wrong in my eyes. It's just like a weird to statement, I feel like. Yeah. Right. To be that definitive about what I guess, I mean, I think people make those statements and like yeah. support and I mean, to not right. take on any legal liability. But I honestly, I think she's a raging alcoholic and me just too. able to hide it. Yeah. That just makes sense right. to me. Like there's stories of like... When I teach my alcohol education course. But there's stories of, like, people being in a blackout state and getting on planes, flying somewhere, and then waking up two days later and being like, oh, how did I get here? Like, she could have been in a blackout state and been driving and been fine. Like, you and I mean, I think. Yeah. No, I don't. I'm not. That yeah. doesn't surprise me at all. And then, so according to the Westchester County Medical Examiner, the crash was ruled a homicide soon after it occurred because the victims were killed due to Schuler's negligent driving, regardless of toxicology findings. Sure. Which is true. So she was definitely liable for it. Right. However, on August 18th, Westchester County District Attorney said that no charges would be filed in the incident because Schuler was the only person responsible for the deaths. 
Again, true. So Diane Schuler died in the crash and the charges died with her. In October 2009, um, Dee Fiore, who was the district attorney, faced accusations from both Dan Shore, a Republican challenging her for office, and the Bastardi family, which was the victims of yep. the crash, that she had mishandled the Schuler case by neglecting to initiate a grand jury investigation into the crash. But why couldn't they sue them civilly? Right, they do. Oh, okay. Yeah. In response to Shore's comments, DeFior responded, is he suggesting that there was a criminal evidence of a crime committed by someone and we wouldn't pursue it? That's just silly. Um, the Bastardi family said that if DeFore did not convene a grand jury, they would seek support in the matter from a state attorney general and governor. So following a request from the Bastardi family that an administrator be appointed to Schuler's estate so a lawsuit could be filed, Dan Schuler officially declined the role in November 2009, leaving it to a county court judge to appoint a public administrator. In December 10th, the Bastardi family filed suit against Diane Schuler and her brother, Warren Hans, seeking unspecified damages for wanton, willful, and reckless conduct. Why the brother? Because he didn't call the police in time. Oh, because she, she called him. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They said, well, oh, wait, no, I lied. According to the family's lawyers, they were required by state to include Hans in the suit because he was the owner of the van. So he allowed her to drive the car. Oh. Uh, I say because I mean, but I would say even because he didn't call the police. I probably wouldn't have called the police. I wouldn't have called the police on my sister. Like when you just said you would, when they called and said there's something wrong with Aunt Diane, you wouldn't have called nine one one when your little girls were in the car saying there's something wrong. You literally were just like, why didn't he call the police twenty minutes earlier? Yeah, but I think I thought it was. I think she. I thought. I thought she was talking to somebody. I thought she was talking to. Someone else. Okay. But even, so I would have thought, if my daughter called and said there's something wrong with the anti-aging, yeah, I, guess see, I, I would think know. she's having a medical emergency called yeah, police. Yeah, yeah. Your kids are 8, 5, and 2. Sure. Okay. You're literally the worst. I'm waffling. I don't know. It's hard. Listen like, to I this. Like, I wouldn't want to get, like... So, in 2011... Yeah, I probably would call the police. Okay, yeah. I take that back. Because my kids were in the car. Okay, I take that back. I'm, I'm just worried. I didn't want to get my sister in trouble. Yeah. yeah, but you want your kids to survive. Right? So in July 2011, Jackie Hans, who lost her three daughters in the accident, filed a lawsuit against her brother-in-law, Dan, da, or Daniel Schuler. The suit claimed that the three deceased Hans girls suffered fear, terror, and impending, terror, fear of impending death, extreme horror, fright, and mental anguish right before they died. On the July 26th, 2011, the day the premiere of the HBO's documentary, There's Something Wrong with Aunt Diane, and on the second anniversary of the crash, Daniel sued the state for not keeping the road safe and his brother-in-law, Warren Hans, as the owner of the minivan that Diane was driving. So, like, clearly this tore the whole family apart. Sure, yeah. In July, by July 2014, all lawsuits by all parties were either settled or dropped, and the judge sealed all the settlements. So you can't see what happened. Wow. But, like, how could he well, sue I'm sure, the like, state for not keeping the road safe? Well, it's a money grab. Yeah. Like, I mean, that was clearly just an effort right. to get something out of the thing. But right. Like, and you sue sir, something, somebody civilly, civilly. Right. Aren't they covered by their homeowner's insurance? Like, who yes. Covered, yeah. Yeah. They, right. When like, you fell down my stairs and threatened to sue me. Yeah. And I still <laughs> should. The statute of the limitations are not up. I have the bruises to, to pictures. And we called Connie. So, there we go. <laughs> Anywho, isn't that wild? This it whole is thing wild. is wild to me. I don't. So, what do you think? I 
Like, this is how I feel. I feel like I'm 98% like she was an alcoholic that was... Like, I think she was a functional alcoholic. One of those PTA moms that drank wine in her coffee mug So do you day, think so no the husband noticed. lied? I... Did she hide it from her husband? Yeah, but come on. Like, Jessica Simpson. She I kind of kept a constant state of, like... Being yeah, but I feel like people know. Yeah, true. Like, it's impossible to hide it that right. well. And then, like... But then, 2% of me thinks, did she have some type of medical emergency? But why... The autopsy does not show any, any of it? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Like, would autopsy show blood clots? Probably, right? Yeah, of yeah, course. Or, yeah. Would show a blockage that caused right. it. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think she's an alcoholic. Me too. Right. It just... It just makes it sense. It just makes it sense. It just makes sense. Well, I think the husband wanted was blindly naive, probably, Correct. and didn't want to think the worst of his wife. And, and he doesn't want to think that she would ever kill his right, daughter, right. injure his son, and three nieces. Yeah, and she yeah. probably thought, "Hey, I can smoke a joint. These little kiddos don't know what I'm doing." Or I don't How know. Sad. It's, it's so sad. There's something wrong with Aunt Diane. Once again, mystery solved. All right, guys. That was a great episode three. Thank you, Jeffrey. Good times. Great fun. So, again, guys, you can find me at underscore barbells and books underscore Jeff. Find me on Instagram at, um, I always forget. JJC121. She remembers. That's what she's here for. I'm on Twitter, but I don't use it very often other than to stalk people. So, Hit me up. And don't forget to follow the podcast at It Just Makes Sense Podcast. And you can listen to us where all podcasts can be downloaded. And don't forget to go on to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Thank you. Bye. Bye.